Oh, my goodness alive. Thank you, dear brother. Thank you, dear brother. The anchor holds. And that's why we have hope today. They can knock our buildings down, but the anchor holds. They can attack our cities, but the anchor holds. Things can go wacky in America, but the anchor holds. That's just the way it is because the kind of, that's the kind of God that He is. Well, in 1918, Irving Berlin wrote a song. He was serving in the United States Army, and World War I was winding to an end. He wrote the song as part of a musical review that he was doing uh, in the Army and decided it did not fit, so he laid it aside. It stayed there for 20 years. In 1938, um, he was now, of course, in, you know, back home from the war. In 1938, a tyrant was raising, rising up in Europe. And, of course, that was Adolf Hitler. Europe was on the very brink of war, a war like we had never seen before. Many called World War I the war to end all wars, and then World War II came. And uh, he was beginning to overtake, preparing to overtake uh, Europe. Uh, Irving Berlin was a, a Jew from Russia. He tr- came to America when he was five years old and grew up. So he remembered the song. And so in 1938, he pulls the song out and has a young lady record it named Kate Smith. And you might know that song today. The words go something like this. God bless America. Land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America. My home. Sweet home. God bless America. My home. Sweet home. Perhaps it was timing. Perhaps even the timing of God. Who knows that held that song. For 20 years as America now faced the prospects of war. But it just became a pillar. In American patriotic music. After that. One of my. Favorite memories. Of 9-11. Occurred the night of 9-11. If you remember right. There was no evening news. Because it was all news. 24 hours a day for several days. All the networks ran. Was the story of 9-11. But that night. On the Capitol steps. Both. The leaders of both houses. Senate and House of Representatives. Along with many of their colleagues gathered on the front steps of the Capitol building. And it was said it was spontaneous. And they sang, God bless America. Now, what you don't know, another part of the backstory is that you don't know, is there's, there's three or four lines that are preceding that part of the song that we know. And it goes like this. While the storm clouds gather far across the sea. Now, now he, could, he was looking toward Europe with Adolf Hitler. Unfortunately, those words are still true today. 
the storm clouds continue to gather around this world as terrorists try to play their game of fear and manipulation to get their way. But as we know from 9-11, it's not always across the sea. As we know from many of the acts that we've seen in America, it can come home. But it said, it said, while the storm clouds gather far across the sea, let us swear allegiance to a land that is free. Let us all be grateful. And that includes the quarterback of the San Francisco Giants. Let us all be grateful for a land so fair as we raise our voices in a solemn prayer. God bless America. You see, the song that we love so much that Kate Smith so masterfully sang is meant to be a solemn prayer. And if you read it again, God bless America, the land that I love, asking God, God, stand beside her. God, guide her through the night with a light from above, from above, from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. Oh, God, bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. So it begs the answer then, what is the path? We all know, even the history revisionists cannot deny the fact that America was founded on very strong uh, Judeo-Christian values. Um, so many of the leaders um, that we look back to uh, that, that wrote the Constitution, that wrote the Declaration of Independence, are our early founding fathers. Either A, they were believers, or B, they lived like believers. The, the idea, the concept of government without God in a country, without God, was simply not possible for them. Have you ever wondered why you go to so many of the early monuments in Washington, D.C., and you cannot help but see God? And the reason why is because they understood that the pathway to God blessing America is God. The pathway to God blessing America is God. In Psalm 33, verses, verses uh, oh, 10, 11, and 12, we're reminded of something. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all Generations. In other words, God is in control and God's in charge. Look around you, and no matter where you look, you're going to see one thing, and that is created things. There is one creator. In fact, let me just be plainer. There's one creator, God, and then there's everything he created. We, we wrestle with this. Of course, let me go way back. Let me go back to the, to the guys that Jesus Christ himself called to follow him. They didn't really debate too much. They, they didn't have this argument too much about who ultimately was in charge because they kind of figured out in their brains that had to be Jesus because he was the guy who was opening blind eyes. He was the guy who was raising the dead. He was the guy who, who could cure leprosy. You know, he was that. They didn't argue that point. But you know what's amazing? All the time... They were arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom. In other words, okay, we get the idea that there's Jesus, but what is the pecking order below that? Isn't it ironic that we still fight about that today? 
Isn't it true that's what so much of life is about? Arguing about who is at the top of the pecking order? Who gets to go to the front of the line? You know, the, war, the generals, great generals, great men, great leaders of World War II often had their own agenda. George Patton was famous for it. He had his own deal and his mind, besides winning, the purpose of war was how he could advance himself as a leader, as a general. You remember back, well, some of y'all remember. I keep forgetting how 1981 is just yesterday for me. And for some of y'all, it was before you were born. But in 1981, when President Reagan was shot, in the chaos, they, they understood that, that if, the, if the president died, the vice president became the, the president. But with him in surgery and incapacitated, there wasn't, I mean, it's clear in the Constitution, it's just in that chaotic moment, no one understood what to do. And the Secretary of State, Alexander Haig, stands up and says, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. And that's the problem. Through these last decades, we have proceeded to determine that we are in charge. And when we determine we're in charge, God can't be. We need to get back to the basics. I said, we need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to what worked. And what worked was when we understood that God is in charge. We're not capable of being in charge. And that key element, that pathway to, to God bless America is found in Psalm 33, 12. Blessed, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people as he has chosen as his own inheritance. The key then According to scripture, and again, let me pause, you know, 66 sacred writings, 40 authors written over 1,500 years. You know, it stood the test. There's no Bible 101, 102, revision 7, revision 9, different translations. There's not. The scripture stood the test of time. And the scripture says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The key to God blessing America again is God. Going back to what we know worked. What we know is right. So, so the, the path home, the path to blessedness. Now, we have a couple of options. You know, we, we, can, play the, we can play the man card. You know, the man thing. The man thing goes like this. You're driving and you're lost. And your wife says, hey... We need to turn around. No, we don't. I know where we're going. I'm a man. Men don't get lost. Honey, we were born lost. We were born lost. You know, the little wazy thing is trying to tell you, turn left, turn right. No, we're, we're going this way because I'm a man. And guess what? You can drive a long way and you're still going to be lost when you finally get to the turning around point. I love this little application that I have on my iPhone called Waze, W-A-Z-E. And Waze tells me, turn around when possible. Turn around when possible. And it's as if God is saying through Waze today, the pathway to God blessing America is God, turn around where possible. Turn around 
where possible. You know, it's kind of like Dorothy and, and, and the Wizard of Oz thing. You know, the whole movie of the Wizard of Oz is about Dorothy saying, I want to go home, I want to go home, I want to go home. And amazingly, the answer is with her all the time. We know by the end of the movie that once she got the ruby red slippers, if she clicked them dudes and said, there's no place like home, there's no place like home, bam, she was back home. Andy Stanley said in one of his messages, he said, you know, if you really think about it, the Wizard of Oz should have been about seven minutes long. You know, you had the morning scene, you had the tornado come along, she gets into the Oz land, and the house falls on the wicked witch of the west, she finds the slippers, clicks and go home. All done in seven minutes. But we take two and a half hours to get to the point where she finally figures out that she has the answer all along. America has the answer all along. It's what we were founded on. I mean, come on. It's the very principles that, that this country, that those founding fathers believed. And you know what? If it worked then, it will work now. If it worked then, it will work now. Like I said about the police officers. Now, there's not one perfect police officer. And just read up on the founding fathers. They weren't Christian. They weren't perfect Christians. They weren't perfect men. But they had enough to understand that they needed godly wisdom and guidance. And it worked then. And it works now, in Second Chronicles 7.14, there's this incredible recipe for coming home to God, for, for, for bringing a country back to where God can bless it again. Now, the, the setup is this. In, in 2 Chronicles 6, it's Solomon going, Hey, God, we built you this big temple, this big building, and we really want you to come. I know you can't live here because you're God, and this is a little temple, and you can't live here. But, you know, if this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and this happens, would you do this, and do that, and do this, and do that? The whole chapter 6, it's a great read. You should read it. It's in the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And we get to Second Chronicles chapter 7, and God responds. He responds to Solomon, who is the king at that time. Here's what he says. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear, that's God speaking, God saying, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. I'm fully aware, and you are too. I just told you that the scripture was written about the dedication of a temple. But the principles of God blessing a nation is right here. It's true for America today. Now, here's the part that I find very incredible. If you look at the first three words of 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it doesn't say if the Republicans get in the White House, which is not a bad idea. That's all I'm going to say. It doesn't say if the Democrats get in the White House. It says, if my... The pathway back to God, according to Scripture, very well lies in His church. Not in politics, 
We've proven that wrong. Not in political parties. We've proven that true. It's in his people. If my people. See, sometimes I think that we may have forgotten as the church. And by the way, just I know we have a lot of guests today. So, so let me make sure you, you got where I'm going. When I say, you know, the church of God, it's not like the church of God on Haney Street. Okay, it's not like the Baptist, it's not like the Methodist, it's not like the Presbyterian, non-denominational, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, whichever one you grab. When we talk about the church, we're talking about those people who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's what this whole thing we call the Bible is is about. The story of redemption, the story of God's grace, the story of, of God bringing us back to him, not by what we could do, but what Jesus Christ did on a Roman cross. And today speaking, when he, when he says, if my people, he's talking about the church. He's talking about the church. If my people will do something, and you're going to have to come back tonight to hear the rest of that. But if my people will do something, then I will do something. Let me say that again, because that was pretty good. I accidentally came out. If my people will do something, then I will do something. How about that? How about that? In 1 Peter, in chapter 2 and verse 9, Peter writes a a great scripture, kind of like talking about us, talking about the church, talking about, again, not denominations, but the church, the people who have trusted Christ, the redeemed people. You know, by the way, like, like, like billions, you know, around the world claim this name of Jesus thing. Okay, this is not like an American thing. It's a worldwide thing. And, and Peter says these words. He says, but you are a chosen generation. Now, I mentioned earlier that there are, there are many translations of the Bible, not only from languages, but how it's worded, translated from the Greek, but there's not a revision of the Bible. I, I love this. I chose the New King James Version for that one word where it says, you are a chosen generation. You see... It's awful easy to say the church must have been asleep while all this happened. May I just say this? May I just say that we are the generation God put in place for this hour? There's a great story in the Old Testament about a young Jewish girl who became a queen. And she didn't let me know that she was a Jew. Her uncle told uncle who raised her, told her not to. And things really go south for the Jewish people. They are going to die. And so her uncle Malachi shows up and says, Look, you really need to go to the king and tell him what's going on. And she goes, Do you understand that if I go to the king without him inviting me, that I'm going to die? That's just the way it is? And Malachi said, Now listen, you may live or die. But it just might be for such a time as this that God has made you. Queen, church, it might well be for such a time as this that God has put not the church of the 12th century, not the church of the 8th century, not the church of 1910, but just that God put the church of 2016 in place to bring America back to God. We are a chosen generation. Now listen, how many of y'all know we're not perfect either? As a church, as a church body, as denominations, we're not perfect. 
But listen, God has always had that wonderful ability to take the people he has and use them. God has never concerned himself with the quality of people or the quantity of people. He can use whoever he puts in place. Way back in 1980, Bill Gaither wrote something that I hope will encourage you. It goes like this. God has always had a people. Many a foolish conqueror made the mistake, mistake of thinking that because he forced the church of Jesus Christ out of sight, that he has stilled his voice and stuffed out its life. But God has always had a people. The powerful current of a rushing river is not diminished because it's forced to flow underground. The purest water is a stream that bursts crystal clear into the sunlight after it's fought its way through solid rock. There have been charlatans like Simon the Magician sought to barter on the open market that power which cannot be bought or sold. But God has always had a people. Men who could not be bought and women who were beyond purchase. Yes, God has always had a people. There have been times of affluence and prosperity when the church's message was nearly diluted into oblivion by those who sought to make it socially attractive, neatly organized, and financially profitable. It has been gold-plated, draped in purple, and encrusted with jewels. It has been misrepresented, ridiculed, and scorned. These followers of Christ Jesus have been, according to the whim of times, elevated as sacred leaders and martyred as heretics. Yet through it all, there marches on that powerful army of the meek, God's chosen people that can't be bought, flattered, murdered, or stilled. On through the ages they march, the church, God's church triumphant, is alive and well. God has placed this generation in this time to bring America back. To God. A chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy set apart nation. His own special people. For what purpose? For such a time as this. For such a task as this. Listen. That you may proclaim the praises of him. Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let me ask you a question. How do you turn the soul of a nation back to God? One soul at a time. Let me say it again. How do you turn the soul of a nation back to God? One soul at a time. What we've got to do is we've got to tell our story to people who don't have a story. In hopes that they too will have a story. We tell our story to those who don't have a story that they may have a story. Let me put it again. That you may proclaim the praise of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is what God has done for me. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't need to be a pastor. All you need to do is say, hey, this is what God did for me. Let me show you how it works. There's a guy named Saul. Saul hated Jesus. And Saul hated people who followed Jesus. The Bible says that Saul was walking down a road. He meets Jesus. And Jesus says, why are you messing with me? Why are you persecuting me? And Saul fell on his face and said, who are you, Lord? 
and said, I am Jesus Christ and you're persecuting me. When you mess with God's people, you're messing with me. Bottom line is, the one who hated Jesus became a Jesus lover. And the one who hated Jesus' people started loving Jesus' people and became one. Well, let me ask you a question. If it worked back then, do you think it could work now? If, if it worked back then. See, here's what you got to figure out. See, when you get a godly mama and a godly daddy, they're going to have a godly family. And when you take a godly family living out Christ in a neighborhood, you're going to have a godly neighborhood. And then when you turn around and have a godly neighborhood, that's going to influence the city and you're going to have a godly city. And then when you've got a godly city, you turn around and you have a godly county. And when you get a godly county, you turn around and you have a godly state. And when you have a godly state, you have a godly country. We've got to quit saying we can't make a difference and understand, yes, we can, because with Christ, all things are possible. All things are possible. We've got to get over the idea that no longer are we the favored ones in the sense of America being a Judeo-Christian value country and understand that with God, all things are possible. If, hey, 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 if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, here's the deal. We've got to move on. because I've got to get this next part because if not, you're going, to, you're going to say, well, that's a nice rhetoric, but how does it play out? Well, here's how it plays out. You know, the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name. See, we've got to understand, we've got to understand in whose name all this takes place. When we act and when we move, we move in the name of God. How many of y'all would say amen to the fact that a lot of crazy things have been done in the name of God? I mean, you do understand these radical uh, Muslims are acting in the name of Allah, their God. They're God. You understand that, don't you? They fully believe there's nothing more religious they can do than what they do in the name of Allah. So a lot of crazy things have been done in the name of God or gods. That's just absolutely true. What we've got to understand, church, is that if we are going to move forward in the name of God, then we've got to act like God. Let me say it again. If we're going to move forward to bring America back to God, we've got to act like God. I love this story. And it's in John chapter, or excuse me, Luke chapter 9, verse 54. Again, Luke being a New, New Testament, and Luke was one of the gospel writers. And here's kind of the story. You know, Jesus is following along, going along, and he tells the boys, he said, Hey, I'm going, I'm going into this Samaritan village up here, and what I need for you to do is go and prepare them for me. So you go forward and let them know I'm coming. They get there, and the Samaritans run them out of town. And man, James and John are fired up. Here's how the story goes. And when his disciples, James and John, which by the way, had the nickname Sons of Thunder, when they saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Hey God, this seems like a great opportunity to zap some people. You know, We'll just call down, you know, Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. He called down fire from heaven and consumed the altar. Why don't we just call down fire from heaven and consume the bad people? Nobody say amen. That's not how it's going to play out. Jesus said, he turned and rebuked them. He said, 
you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Now here, the guys were, I mean, they were all fired up. The dudes were right on target. They're saying, I'll tell you, don't, you don't want Jesus, we're going to call hellfire down on you. You know, if you, if you don't want to be a Jesus follower, we're going to zap you. If, you. if you don't do things our way, we're going to zap you. And Jesus turns and rebukes them. And he says, guys, you don't know the spirit that you're made of. This is, this is not how I do business. I'm asking you, can I ask you a really hard question? If Jesus went to the average church today, would he even recognize us? If Jesus went to the average church today, would he even recognize us? When I've heard some, when I've heard some of the hurtful things said, the mean things said from the pew and from the pulpits, I'm just not so sure he would turn around and rebuke us too. He says, you don't know what manner of spirit you are. That may be the way the world does business. But it's not the way we do business. See, we've got to have the spirit of John 3.16. Let me help you. Black, white, yellow, brown, everything in between. Very rich, very poor. It just doesn't matter. The spirit of John 3.16 says this. For God so loved who? The world. The world. Red, yellow, black, yellow, that doesn't matter. Rich, poor, doesn't matter. Really bad sinner, really not too bad sinner. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And what that means, let me put that in terms for you. It means that Jesus Christ had the first Christmas... That, that he, you know, they had the first Christmas, he was born, he lived a sinless life, and willingly, just like, you understand, there was no one with a machine gun pointing at those first responders going, go up the stairs! I, I don't care if you're going to, go up the stairs! Every man and woman ran in, even though they knew they were going to die. He ran to the cross. Knowing full well he was going to die. When you said Jesus was the first responder, spot on, dude. Spot on. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the spirit. You don't know what spirit you are. My spirit says God loved the world. Not my spirit, but God's spirit says I love the world. Have you ever heard Romans 5.8? It goes like this. Romans is the book in the New Testament too that Paul wrote. But God demonstrated. God showed his love to us. In that while we were still sinners, while we were still a wreck, while we were still a mess, not that we got it straight and then went, we were a disaster. That we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That's the spirit. If my people who are called by my name, if my people who go in my name, if my people who represent me have got to have the John 3.16 spirit. 
They have the Romans 5, 8 spirit. They have to have the Luke 23, 34. Huh? I ain't heard that one. Do I know I went to Sunday school? I haven't heard that one. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You won't win many people to Jesus by hating them. You won't win many people. You won't change a nation, a soul at a time by hating people. You'll get them by loving people. I don't like that. It's God's way. Read the Gospels. The only people Jesus got really mad at were the religious people. He could take a woman taken in adultery and, and, I mean, in the very act and say, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. He could take a woman in another well and say, yeah, I know you don't have a husband. You have five. And the guy you're living with now is not your husband. She runs back to the village and says, you've got to come see this guy. It's incredible. He tells me what I've done. He doesn't even know me. I'm telling you, we've got to have the spirit of the cross, the spirit of Christ. Saying, Father, forgive him. They don't know what to do. How about, how about Luke? Listen, listen to Luke chapter 9. I tell you the truth in Christ. I'm not lying, Paul says. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Spirit. That I would have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Listen, listen, listen. I know that was like fluff. For I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for my brothers, my countrymen. According to the flesh. Here's what Paul says. I would be willing. I could wish myself separated from God again. Separated from Christ. If my countrymen. Would come to Christ. Wow. Can I be be honest with you? Uh Uh-uh. Like you a lot. I ain't going to hell for you. (laughs) I ain't losing Jesus for you. But we should have that spirit. I guess my question is this. What what would you be willing to do to see God bless America again? Going all the way back to the beginning. As a believer in Christ, I know if you're not a believer, you're going, this is why I don't go to church. This isn't making sense at all. Enjoy the hot dogs and hamburgers and talk to me while you're eating. And we'll tell you about Jesus more. Because that's what it's all about. But what would you be willing to do for God to bless America again? Some of you say I'd be willing to die for America. Um, some of you say I, I would, I would, I would walk in front of buildings holding placards. You know, I, I would, I would do some strong things like that. Can I make a suggestion? Love God, love people. Can I make a suggestion? Something far more radical than that. See, the most radical thing Jesus ever said is love your neighbor. <laughs> If we want to see America turn back to God, it's going to be happening when His church loves each other and loves their neighbors. There's nothing more radical than the love of God. You win the soul of a nation one soul at a time. Not by chucking rocks. Not by judging. Not by condemning. But showing this incredible John 3, 16, Romans 5, 8, Luke 23, love. And if you love America, 
as much as I know you do, then you understand it's worth it. Because it's not too late. America may be in judgment of God. That's another subject for another time. But last time I checked, God is still in the heart-changing business. Thank you, Mary. We're going to try that one again, okay? Last time I checked, God is still in the heart-changing business. I know this. Every soul we win, every soul that's changed by Jesus, every soul that experienced God's grace, is one more person working to bring America back. That's what I do know. That's what I do know. I was... This probably has nothing to do with the sermon, but I thought it was funny. I had a chance to spend a couple of days with Rod Wallace and some guys down here in Pigeon Forge. And uh, Tyler Scott showed up, you know. And uh, he's limping, you know. So everybody kind of goes, why are you limping? He goes, well, uh, I got road rash. You know, we're thinking motorcycle, you know. You think road rash, you think motorcycle. And so we all go, well, what happened, man? He goes, well, I was, I was, you know, playing outfield, and we were losing 12 to 1, I think. And he goes, uh, I just, I, the guys weren't playing, you know. And so a ball came out there, and, man, I said, he said, you know, I just took a dive for it. I, I got over, a little overzealous, and I just took a dive for it. You know, and he had shorts on, and mm, it was not pretty. And I kind of said, you did that for a losing cause? Well, you know what I mean, dude? You know? Hey, this ain't for no losing cause. We're going to win. Thank you, Judy. My my wife is so faithful. Let me try that again, too. I'm not fishing for amens, but I am. I want to make sure you get this. This is not a losing cause. We are going. In fact, let me just put it this way. We already won. We're just playing out to the ninth inning. Bottom of the ninth inning for the third out. And we haven't won, but he has. He has. So don't give up on America. Yeah, I won't tell you how to vote, but you better vote this November. And when the opportunities come up to speak about the, the things, listen, not the things you care about, but the things that God cares about, you be sure and speak up. You do that. You do all those things. But you do this. You have that kind of love. You have the Romans 5, 8 love. you got the Father, forgive them, they know what they're doing. Love. You've got, I would give my life for America to come back to God. Love. And then leave it all to God. Would you bow your heads, please? Thank you for letting me share today. Thank you, really. I really do thank you for being here. We're honored to have you. Now, I know maybe some of this didn't make a whole lot of sense today. I don't know. But here's what I do know. If you're here today and you feel something tugging on your heart and you don't really know what it is, but you've heard about God loving you no matter what skin color you are or race you are, I got my friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And, and it's kind of like when you tell half a story, Brent wants to tell you the rest of the story.
and we're not going to twist your arm or anything, but if you want to know more about, not more about religion, we're not, we're not talking about religion. We're not talking about denomination here. But if you'd like to know more about knowing Jesus and what he did for you on the cross, the ultimate first responder. I'll, I'll promise you before I leave today, I'm going to grab one of these guys. I've done it with Dave Valentine already. Tell me some of your stories. Tell me some of your stories. Well, the greatest story ever, Brent wants to make sure you know the end of it. And we'll have some guys down here who'd love to share with you about how you can know Jesus Christ, how you can have forgiveness of your sins, and how you can be on the winning team. If you're on the winning team, if you know you're a believer today, if you love America, there's a couple of things. You can pray. and you, I pray. We're going to talk about that tonight, by the way, and Wednesday night, so you might want to come back tonight. But you can pray. But you can love. I'm telling you guys. Disagree or agree, Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by your prayer, or by your love, excuse me, by your love. So I want to challenge us as Christ followers today to love even those who are least lovable. To love even those who are least lovable. And by God's grace, we can bring America back to God. We can change the soul of the nation one soul at a time. God, thank you very much for the privilege of sharing today. Father, for every person who came. Lord, I believe you put every person here today, not by accident, but on purpose. So thank you very much for that. I want to pray, God, that if you've spoken to hearts today, that folks will make decisions right there where they are, come down front and talk to Brent. I pray, Father, for those who have not yet met Jesus, that today might be that day. I pray for those who know him, that, God, we really take to heart your word, that we are your people. We are, for such a time as this, you've placed us in America. Now may we step up and be used by you to love people. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.